I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 61. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today. Leif Matthews is a mortgage broker with Rate Miser Mortgage Advisors, part of the RMAI network. He's been a broker for 12 years and is currently based at a Victoria, BC. I'm stoked for this interview today. Leif, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to go. Awesome. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, I live in Victoria. I'm a mortgage broker. I launched my company in Halifax in 2003 after the tech bust uh, caught up with me. Uh, Before that, I was a financial journalist and business development uh, manager for a financial website. And before that, I was an investment broker. So then how did you get into the mortgage business? Because no one as a little kid says in kindergarten, when I grow up, I want to be a mortgage broker. So what was your path from this sort of, uh, it was in the finance, but how did you end up here? I, well, when I completed my my business degree at, at Dow, I wanted to go into investment banking, but for my own reasons, I really wanted to be in Halifax. And so there weren't very many investment banking opportunities uh, in Halifax, so I ended up as a, a regular uh, retail stockbroker. And while I was advising my clients over the years in, in Halifax, I would every once in a while run across a mortgage broker and I had a friend who was also a mortgage broker and I was always impressed by uh, the value they could add for my clients. So I got kind of intrigued by it and and then uh, when it came time for me to be buying houses, uh, once again, uh, the mortgage broker I dealt with uh, was really helpful and uh, I just thought it was a really neat business. So anyways, then I went on to run InvestorCanada.com, which is long gone now, but it was a financial website. And we did that for for four years. And uh, anyway, I found myself uh, back on the market and I decided I would go into uh, mortgage brokerage. And what drew me to it is that essentially it it allowed me to, to bring capital to um, to the table. And so I thought of myself and still think of myself as uh, a, a real estate investment banker. So I'm, I, I really like financing, appreciating assets. And uh, it's still true, and but it's, uh, it was more true in 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like shooting fish in a barrel, you know. And so I really like being a financier of appreciating assets. That's the short answer. That's the short answer. And so when we were chatting before we got on uh, online here, you had said that initially your business was because you have this background in tech and online, you really had a, your business started out being building it online? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call myself uh, tech savvy. I mean, maybe... A little bit uh, more internet savvy, just because I was I was really the at the high level the the producer of the website, so it was more like asking the tech team for favors <laughs> and working on user experience. And and um, then what we would do is we would produce um, you know interviews with financial experts, very much the way you're conducting yours, Scott. But um, I um, I you know I I started very much online marketing with uh, Gmail and. 
And so I was early out of the gate with uh, Google AdWords and I, you know, I just started to track what words were working and, you know, what my return on investment was. And it felt like I had a tiger by the tail initially, but I was also generating leads all across the country. So I have this very disparate book of leads that came, you know, from all different provinces. Mm-hmm. And so how has that changed over the 12 years you've been in the broker business? So how that's how you sort of did, you did that for a while, but how's it now? Like what's your business model like? Well, my business model is, is pretty much, it's been kind of in a holding pattern the last, I would say, you know, probably the last five years since we moved to Victoria because I haven't done a lot of marketing. I The energy I had for marketing, I'd put into uh, volunteer work uh, with a nonprofit, uh, the Victoria Shambhala Center, that uh, I became the director like a few months after I arrived in Victoria. And that's really taken a lot of my attention. Um, I expected that, you know, that would be a great way to enter the community and get to know people. But it, it, has, it has generated some business, uh, but really not very many people in that community were in the mortgage market <laughs> mm-hmm. for mortgages. So that didn't play out, but that was a lot of uh, the juice I had. So really, the last several years, I think I'm a, an example of how to get an inc- uh, incredible amount of repeat business. And I've been doing that mostly by finally getting my CRM in place. I have electronic CRM that I've set up through, you know, in contact, which many people will be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, also, I pay full fare for a uh, hard copy CRM. So every time I close a deal, you know, almost without exception, I pay 75 bucks. And I get five hard copy mailings. And I know that there are better or worse ways to do it. But what I found was I just needed to get something happening. Mm -hmm. So that's been good. And, you know, usually I can tell, you know, the phone starts to ring a bit when, you know, something goes out. But the last piece of that and probably the most significant, uh, and I learned this from uh, Holly Robinson, who's a great uh, mortgage broker back east, is you just got to call people. And so I've set it up so I get reminded about my clients' uh, mortgage anniversaries. And I try to call them uh, as much as I can. I don't I don't keep up with that list, but I try to call them once a year and just chew the fat and see how they're doing. So uh, let's walk me through when you, that's which is fantastic, by the way, you're talking about, you know, building the relationship with your clients, staying in touch with them through various methods, email, and also like uh, paper mail uh, or traditional mail. So when you make those anniversary calls, what kind of things do you say to them? So if I'm one of your clients and I haven't talked to you in a year, well, like, and maybe we know each other, but only sort of professionally, what would you say to me? Well, you know, it's, it's usually I try to leave it wide open. And um, it's interesting, the ones that aren't used to it, it, it's conversation can be a little bit cool initially because they're thinking, well, who is this mortgage guy calling me back? I thought we did, we're done with that. But eventually, you know, I'm just asking them if they, you know, how they're doing, if they have any questions about interest rates. Most of my clients I put into variable rate mortgages. So sometimes they want to know about, you know, whether they should lock in or not. So I talk to them about the economy and, you know, uh, that they should be watching uh, employment, for example, because that's a major driver of uh, of interest rates. But generally speaking, I can kind of give them some comfort uh, where I don't if I don't think rates are heading up imminently or sometimes they have something in mind. It's surprisingly, you know, every fifth call or something, they want to talk about something like they're thinking about changing house or they want to do some renovations or something like that. So, yeah, I just talk to them and I don't mind updating their stuff. Like I'll update their contact info, but 
sometimes they want to know about their credit, so we'll I'll do a credit uh, check for them if they're interested and send and you know so that they know kind of where they stand and how they're looking. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I sort of hijacked this, I, and these are questions that weren't on the list, but we had talked earlier, and I'm like, hey, I got to ask you about this. So thank you. Yeah. So can you? I like quotes, and quotes for me are portable. They're memorable. It's something that uh, keeps me on track. So can you share a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? Oh. <laughs> well, okay. I guess one quote would be, uh, contentment is the ultimate wealth. And that was by like a, I don't know what, uh, must have been a, a thousand years old from a guy by the name of Nagarjuna. And uh, yeah, I, I really resonate with that. And I try to kind of convey that in the way I conduct business, which is, you know, to kind of have a wealthy outlook despite whatever financial circumstances we're working with, because I find that all kinds of interesting ideas and solutions uh, come up uh, if you have, give yourself some space, you know, and I think clients uh, really need that too, because it doesn't seem to matter how much, you know, strength or weakness people have, or especially even financial strength. A lot of times people are stressing themselves out all the time. And, you know, and, and we know that in our business, right, we could be worried constantly and we come up against that. But I just think, uh, you know, contentment is really a, something we have to choose. And, uh, and I, you know, you could say, oh, you know, count your blessings. Uh, but I would say it's more about seeing the, the blessings that are kind of continual in, in your life. And financial work will tend to draw you down to think, you know, of everything in terms of money, you know. But money is really just one aspect of life. And I feel like my whole life is basically uh, spent learning that. I think most people know that better than me, but that's, that's my path. Right. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. The contentment piece is so challenging for our culture. Like we just, we're not wired for contentment. So, and, uh, you know, it's, it's about balance, right? It's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's so easy to kind of like, especially when you're in financial services. And this is why I think a lot of people in financial services actually struggle financially because we think about money and money solutions so much that we, we tend to try to solve too many problems with money that really don't really need solving not with money you know right yeah, totally yeah no makes sense uh, yeah i could we could talk about that for the next half an hour but i'll, I'll uh <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah but i totally agree with you so i also find as a mortgage broker as an entrepreneur i've had failure um sure my share of things that didn't work but looking back there's always a lesson in it so can you share an example of something that you'd failed at and then the lesson you learned now that you've been had the time to look back well when I first started, I had uh, a whole bunch of leads and I had great expectations. Uh, finally, the first time in my life, I thought I had a tiger by the tail and I was actually had a going concern. And uh, so I went to a larger office. I, I tried to stay in the basement of my house as long as I could, but I went to uh, an inexpensive but uh, centrally located office space in Halifax with a big sign. And I set up six desks with state-of-the-art uh, computers and I had uh, an admin assistant and I and I brought in six brokers and gave them basically everything that I I possibly could to try to support them and I you know I basically I had the plan that that if at the end of six months you know each one of them was closing one deal a month on average or even if one of them was closing six deals a month and the other ones were doing nothing the whole thing would still break even so i was really trying to keep my costs down mm -hmm. 
And what I found was at the end of that period of time that nobody was producing anything. And I, you know, they all came from disparate backgrounds and different things. And, uh, you know, they were different kinds of people. And so what I realized from that was not that it was their fault. It was, it had to have been my model. It had to have been the way I ran things. And one of the things about that was that I was trying to bend over backwards to do things for them. And I found that the more I did for them, the more the less they appreciated it. And the other thing was by spinning off, I would throw them off leads. I would call them training deals. And what I found was that that if I gave those to them, no matter how you know little I paid them, they would still wait around for me to to feed them. So they really didn't get the message that they had to go out and and reel in the business. So so that I guess you know sort of some kind of naivete about how to motivate people and and what what really works. That would be one of the mistakes I made. And then the other one I would say is I became very dependent. I not intentionally. I mean I was very aware of it. But I, I became very, um, my time and energy became very consumed by a major referral source. Mm-hmm. And this was at an early time in building my business. So it was great uh, in terms of initial volume. I was being driven a lot of leads by this uh, large financial, growing financial planning outfit. But then when that relationship inevitably dissolved, I really didn't have, I hadn't developed uh, the, you know, diversity of referral sources that I probably would have and should have been doing at that time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, it's interesting, even with my kids. So as an, as an aside to that, but with my kids, the more you do sometimes, the less they appreciate. And I think we're, adults are no different. It's just... Yeah, they don't they don't own it. And, and so, yeah, that's why, you know, in terms of recruiting and managing, I, I've basically developed a, a flat fee model mm-hmm. because I, I really don't need a lot of income, you know, if I'm going to have a partner, I'm going to, you know, I I don't really want to take from them, but I but I really want people who who know what they're doing if if we're going to have a a, a partnership, a working relationship. So, I've also noticed talking to successful brokers that they have systems and processes and they're willing to adjust those and tweak them in order to get better results. So, can you share an example of an administrative process that maybe wasn't working as well as you were hoping and the tweak you made and then the outcome that you got? Well, I mean, in terms of uh, the way I conduct business technically, I do everything through electronic means. You know, I, I use, I scan documents as much as I can and then I get rid of the paper. Like I, I try to maintain as little paper uh, files as I can and I'm just very ruthless about that. And that's been incredibly helpful. And I, let me just think what other, what I say process. I just try to move through things very efficiently. I guess one thing I've done is I've created like signatures uh, that are, uh, some of them are almost like form letters, but they're just email signatures that that are like a standard response or, or letter that I would send to a client when I have an approval. And it's already got bullet points of all of the documentation, most of the documentation that you'd expect. And then I just go in and edit it uh, before I send it. So I have a systematic way that I go about communicating with clients at different stages in the uh, in the process, but I feel like that's an um, ongoing <laughs> learning curve for me. Right. Well, even the requirements from lenders have changed 
changed a lot in the last while well, you've been imagined over the 12 years so you've always got to be paying it making adjustments to to that part of your process yeah so now i also noticed talking to successful brokers that they have a sales process and you kind of touched on that earlier about when you had these six people and they maybe they weren't as good at you know making the sale as you so can you share an example of a sales process maybe that wasn't working as well as you'd like and then a change that you'd made to it yeah i generally speaking when I talk to clients, I used to try, or at least when I was initially starting, I, I tried to uh, drive clients to uh, electronic applications, you know, try to get them to do more of the application process. But what I find was the the most beneficial thing is to, to get on the phone with your client or prospect ASAP. So especially if you're going to get an internet lead, um, if you're going to convert that into a viral viable uh, client, you have to get on the phone with them and you have to make it human ASAP. So that's really important. And then one of the ways that I do that is I do that by taking their mortgage application over the phone. So I cannot do that any faster than basically 45 minutes. I always say, oh, it's only going to take 20 minutes, but it always takes, it always takes 30, 45 minutes, you know, and, and that's a fairly militant interview, you know. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm, I'm having to do a lot of sort of menial work where I'm typing in their name and address. I try to move through that as quickly as I can. Uh, and sometimes clients want to be chatty and you, you have to really set it up so that when you're taking the application, you move through it like in a very military way. It's like Q&A, mm-hmm. boom, 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 right? And so the way I do that is I take a moment whenever I'm talking to somebody initially and I just uh, let it be blue sky, like tell me what you want, you know, tell me where you what you wish for. It's sort of like that mm-hmm. getting to yes, negotiating where I'm really interested in what do they want down the road? What's their vision? Where are they where do they want to end up? And a lot of times you can come you come up with a mortgage solution that is quite different than what they thought they were asking for. Like, geez, you know, there's so many small business people that are trying to find financing, but they got tons of equity in their house. Well, they're going to have a personal guarantee on a lot of their small business loans. They might as well tap the equity in their house. Mm-hmm. So things like that, you can come up with a solution if you know what their their real end goal is. Right. So yeah. So anyway, so I'll do a blue sky chat with them initially, just to kind of make sure that they know that I understand kind of where they're coming from, what they wish for. That's really important. And then once we get to a certain point, I'll say, well, look what. What I would propose to do would be to take your mortgage application, and then we'll hope you have a good idea where where you can stand, what your options are, and then I take the mortgage application, you know, hard and fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have a I don't call it a blue sky, I call it a magic wand. I usually ask them if I yeah. you know say but same ideas, figuring out what's important to them, and then trying to match your solution to to their what their goals are. So that's fantastic. It's really good advice for anybody to be listening. Anybody listening should be. And you're not the first person who's told me that you know if you're doing any kind of online business, you've got to get people on the phone. Otherwise, you don't. It's really hard to build a relationship or have a connection. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's probably unusual about my business is that I have always done 80 to 90% of my business by phone and email. Like even when I was, you know, I had a public office in Halifax. I mean, right now I work from home. But um, when I had a, a big office right off the Citadel there uh, in Halifax, I would, I still wound up just doing a lot of business by phone just because it's faster. And once the client trusts you, they're just as happy. It goes a lot faster that way. Mm-hmm. 
right? So yeah. I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you about developing closing rates. Close, yeah, it, it impro- and it, yeah, it definitely makes a connection stronger. So we talked, we touched on this earlier about balance, and you said that most people are not in balance. So how do you back run your mortgage practice and maintain balance with family and all the other commitments that you have? No, <laughs> I don't know. That's a work in progress. I, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't mean to say most people are not, uh, you know, in balance, but I would say it's, it is something that um, that might have been yeah. my that might be my word. So, if, but yeah. in any case, but I, but, yeah. I, but I do, but I definitely think balance is is way underrated. And I don't, you know, for me, it has been a lot about time management, and I feel like that's always at the cutting edge of how I'm going to make my world work better is time management, you know, and so people think about time management in terms of making you more productive, but really I think time management is every bit as important for making your your life more balanced, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the interesting thing about it and what I discovered is putting your life in balance is not bad for business. Mm-hmm. If you get your life in balance, you'll be focused, you'll be way more productive during your work hours potentially. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the internet is a little bit distracting and I, I got involved in this book publishing adventure and that's been very distracting for me when I'm at my desk. Mm-hmm. But in general, I find that uh, if I can organize myself to, to take off and go to Tai Chi a couple of days a week or, or whatever it is, you know, if you set uh, the time when you're cutting yourself off, I think you actually can focus better. And I mean, I think probably most people could give me some pointers on that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no. It's uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to get your take on it. Actually, if anybody's listening, I did, forgot to mention this, but you did write a book called The uh, Four Noble Truths, Truths of Wealth. So they can get that at your site, which we'll talk about at the end, or also we'll put links to you at the in the show notes. So you can check out uh, Leith does have a, a book you can check out. So I just want to, I'm going to move to rapid fire questions. So these you can answer with a little shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I would say bravery. <laughs> yeah, I think bravery uh, is really the key and and everybody comes up against it. It doesn't matter if you're uh, King, King Kong or a church mouse. You, you, if you want to grow your business, usually it's the thing that you're hesitating uh, to do, whether it's cleaning up your desk, but more likely it's outgoing call. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. And what is the one thing or habit that's made you successful? I would say organization and uh, efficiency of operations. I have really kept my cost down and uh, that has really been great. And do you have an internet resource software program you use to make your business more successful? What do you mean an internet resource? So I'm thinking like you said constant contact as one of them. So do you have another program that you find really helps with your efficiencies or keeps you sort of on track with your work? Well, in contact, not constant contact. Okay, in contact. In contact is a, that's a mortgage broker specific database program. Uh, they're out of uh, Ontario. And, you know, I, I do recommend them, but I, I don't think it matters which one, but it is really critical. If you have a good CRM system where you can track leads, you can be successful in any business as long as you make the call. Mm-hmm, that's true. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, okay, other than your book, so which we will put a link, what would it be? Well, 
I would say, uh, it, well, from a financial point of view, there's a great book called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in, in Business or something like that. I can't remember the full title of it, but it, it was about a guy who was uh, an insurance salesman. And, uh, you know, basically, he, he outlines the, that it's a numbers game and you just have to hang in there. That's good. And uh, where do you think our industry is headed? Where's the opportunity? I think our industry is uh, probably, you know, where it is, is probably as good an indication of where it's going. But I, I hope uh, and I believe that trailer fees are going to be important. I think it's hard for new people to go with trailer fee business because you need to make a lot of money, <laughs> as much money as you can, you know, to survive in a way. But where all things being equal, I really think uh, placing business with trailer fee lenders is very powerful. And and what helped me to make that decision, I, I sort of made that internal switch uh, about three years ago. Uh, it was when I realized that I was only at risk for about three years, that, that three years into uh, having placed a trailer fee mortgage, I was at break even with what I would have made uh, if I just did followed an upfront lender, like where I got VB as well. And uh, so I think trailer fees are going to be important because we need more stability. Mm-hmm. I also think it's going to be very interesting what happens, you know, if we ever get a, a real trough in the real estate market. I don't know if that's going to happen because it just doesn't seem to want to happen. But if that happens, and I do think there will be time, having any kind of residual income stream is going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. So this is my last question. One of the one of my favorites. It's the DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yeah. And so remember the car, the DeLorean, you could jump in and travel in time. So if I could put you in the DeLorean and I could send you back 12 years to your first day as a mortgage broker and you could give yourself three pieces of advice, what would you tell yourself? I guess I would have told myself, keep it simple and get the CRM set up, even if you have to hire it out. Because I spent 10 years expecting to get, or something like that, expecting to get my CRM in order, uh, but then being too choosy about which one. It doesn't matter which firm you're with or any of that, as long as you're, you know, you're getting decent pay, uh, you know, a decent split. It's, it's really a lot more about organization and, and just relating with clients kind of straightforwardly and consistently. Yeah, that, that would be what I would say. Okay, so keep it simple. Get your CRM. Was that two? That was two. Yeah, I'm, I'm CRM set up. What's the third thing? Be brave, which means you've got to go out. It's always the thing that intimidates you the most that's going to make you the most money. Right. It's, uh, when a, a coaching program that I was in a couple of years ago used to say, step into your fear, So, which I totally agree with. We've got to do more of that. So, Leif, I really appreciate your time. Where can people find you online? Greatmiser.ca is my website. And are you guys and hiring? I'd love to talk to people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we're looking for uh, partners, uh, not uh, not agents. Okay, so you don't want it not for training. You want uh, well, I mean, I want somebody who's very serious about the business because our flat fee model it's a, I call it a subscription model. You know, you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself, but it'll be rewarding and, and I, I'm, I ultimately want people who want to help me build a business and I've set up a model that uh, rewards everybody that way so anyway I can talk more about that with people right awesome so anybody listening they can get show notes at ilovemortgagebrokering.com there'll be links to Lath to his website to his book Lath thank you so much for your time today man and I hope you absolutely crush the rest of your year 
great to talk to you, Scott. Want to learn from the top five mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing, since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.